Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family planting churches together. Journey with us as we hear from church planters all across North America, discovering what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. This week, Corwin Oglesby, who passes with me at Blueprint Church, puts me in the hot seat to talk about church planting in Atlanta. Oh, welcome to Atlanta, where the players play. Um, man, Atlanta, I love Atlanta. You love Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have come to grow to learn. I am from Atlanta. Can I say that now? No. Like, I've been here for, what, since 2008. So I've been here for over a decade. I am from Atlanta. I am originally, I am an OG Atlantan. Yeah. So uh, how did you come to Atlanta? Whoo, man. Um, well, I mean, you know, I did all of my, my church planner things and city and all those things. I think the biggest thing for Atlanta was it was, you know, obviously post outcast days and all those things. The biggest thing about Atlanta was it became the hip hop capital of the world, right? Right, um, right. You know, and it was during that time that I was just like, man, I want to go to a place where it is a place where like, if we're going to start a movement, you know, I often say, man, it's the last generation that have to leave the urban context for sound discipleship. And mm -hmm. I was like, man, if that's going to happen, it's going to come to a place like Atlanta, Detroit, Charlotte, you know, it's like one of those kind of cities. And so that's that's really, I would say, one of the biggest kind of draws if, from just a pure city standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So old Fourth Ward region, like even now, it's, it's changed even from what it was when you guys first got here. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, being in Fourth Ward has drastically changed. And I think it's like the tipping point of gentrification. When you think about like the birthplace of Martin Luther King Jr. There's such a historic vibe here. Like people of all nations, all countries coming around and coming to this neighborhood. And it's like, man, this is kind of the beacon of where change took place. And, you know, and, and at that time it was kind of like more of the traditional inner city, you know, and this is like a few years ago, traditional inner city place or whatever, with you have your small little pocket of mm -hmm. MLK that they kept good for all the tourists. Right, right. But everywhere else, it's kind of like, you didn't have to stop at the traffic light, right? It's just kind of like, just keep on going because yeah. it's Fourth Ward, right? But then Pontini Market came, everything changed, right? Hmm. When they built that park, they built Pound City Market, things changed. All of a sudden now, you got Section 8 housing right next to home. Million dollar houses. Yeah, million dollar houses. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is different. I've always wondered, like, how do you engage those two worlds when they don't meet necessarily? Yeah. yeah, and for us, that was one of the reasons why we started off with kind of the school. Largest Section 8 housing, largest gentrification. What is something that they all have in common? And we was just like, the school system. We went to the school system, and we basically took over. We took over. We started doing PTA. We started doing all those Coaching. things. Coaching. Are you still yeah. coaching those yes. kids? Yes, I am still. We just, you know, we lost, uh -huh. uh, you know, but it's it's uh -huh. good. We, we're we not talking about that right now. I mean, we like, could talk you know, about that right now. No. I mean, because you coaching them and losing, like, did y'all, what was the record? It, we were about 500. We okay. was about 500, which was better than the year before. Now and the next year will even be better. So I'm I'm proud of the trajectory. You know, Rome wasn't built in a year, you know, and our basketball team has not. But, you know, it wasn't either. But, yeah. And what's the trajectory? Since your trajectory, what's the trajectory of Blueprint then? I want this, this neighborhood, this church that we're in, I want this to be the, like, 
a church that 50% of the church is walking to church. I wanted, like, I think what we've lost is kind of the idea of the neighborhood, you mm -hmm. know, of just kind of like, man, live, work, play, living together. Like the same kids that you go to school with, the same people you work with, the same people you can go to, you know, that you that you shop with, yeah. is the same people you can go to church with. And right. so, like, I see this as kind of a model and an example for us to see what that looks like. My desire is, is that this church, where we are now on Boulevard, mm. that we would only have to focus in on this neighborhood because we have planted a significant church in every other neighborhood and that we can focus in and live and be a part of this neighborhood. And we can take the, the problems and the tension of this neighborhood can be our problems and our tensions. And I really think that that is kind of where we wanna see that intersection, you know, between hmm. the two. Man, so 40 people, that's what I heard. You brought 40 people. 40 people followed the hottie to Atlanta. Followed the Lord. Oh. They, they did not follow the hottie. And actually- Or oh, they mean, could have followed the hottie as he followed the Lord. No, that's true. But I do want to, like, one of the things that we wanted to make sure, because like, what, it was December 15, 2007, like when we made that commitment, it originally was 25 and the number became 40, but it was kind of like the cool thing to do. It was like, oh, let's do it. And literally I had people sign covenants. I said, listen, <laughs> Like, I was literally trying to talk them out. Like, don't come, because I don't want them treating me like Moses. Like, you know right, how? Right, right. So I was like, all right, let's just make really sure that God is calling you. You are not following me. God is calling you to, for us to come together, to work together, and to do this thing together, and to see something take place in Atlanta. You said 2007. December 15th, specifically, of 2007, is when Angie and I made the official announcement that we are moving to Atlanta, Georgia to plant Blueprint Church. Was she on board or was like, sometimes, you know, wives with family, I'm, I like where I am. How was that? It was interesting because we were wrestling, you know, with that. And it, and it really came out of nowhere. I mean, if I take you back to January of 2007, mm. You got these dates down. Yeah, oh yeah, because January 2007, we made the thing like, we're here for the next 20 years. We just bought our house in Denton, Texas. Just bought our house. We were saying, we're making these commitments. We're here for the next 20 years. We're not going anywhere. We're here. Hmm. And then what happened is over that, that course of that year, that God is kind of stirring up something in me. And I remember coming to Angie the first time, and I said, <laughs> you know, honey, uh, I know, I, you know, I actually always ask you a joke about, Budapest, would you follow me to Budapest? And you always say yes. I said, well, it's not Budapest. <laughs> it's, a, it's Atlanta. But what about Atlanta? <laughs> so when I first told her, I was just like, not Budapest, but Atlanta. That brought some angst. And she wasn't initially on board. Wow. Yeah. All right, so you had her, then you had the other, was it, did it start off at 40? Did it grow to 40? Yeah, I mean, it grew to 40. I mean, first it kind of went from her. And then we kind of said, all right, we're ready. We want to do this. And God was just confirming things. And then we brought it to the congregation. Immediately when we said that, 25 others said, we're going to. Wow. We're going to. And then after those initial 25, that they were, they just started slowly kind of coming in. And that number eventually became 40. And we all landed here in um, kind of the summer of 2008. Yeah. Man, you probably seem like the, so you, you get a house, then you say, God said move. Yeah. And then you, that's like October, and then you answer all of her fears, and then people want to follow you all while you mm -hmm. follow Jesus. Yeah. 
And we had a lot Did of conversations. Did you get a Best Husband Award or anything? No, I wish. No, I there was no Best Husband Award. But, okay. you know, what's interesting is that we did have a lot of young marrieds or people who were about to get married. Right. And so you had this dynamic of where one wanted to go 100%, the other one was like, I'm from uh, Texas, I don't yeah. want to leave Texas. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so that's part of even the idea of why we say, like we chose, like we wanted to stay in the South, mm -hmm. but we also wanted to get away, I wanted to get away from kind of Texas, you know, South, but Texas, a place that had more of a Cali feel, more of a, you know, city feel. Atlanta doesn't have you know, a Cali feel. It does, it does. It has, it has that kind of, you know, Cali feel. You know, what is interesting is that it is one of those, because of, like you said, with like the Hollywood, it had, you know, it, right. the hip hop capital. It's a different, it's it kind of like south. a hood Hollywood though. Yeah, South, it was South. Okay. Yeah, but I'm you know, but it was good. But, but, but what's interesting is once we got here, I wanted to make sure that this wasn't people from Texas trying to plant a church in Atlanta. And so right. I, we did a lot of work coming here. Cause I said, we had about a year and a half, almost two years that I was coming here and I would just kind of meet with people like you and says, man, what type of church does Atlanta need? Mm. Tell me about the church environment. Tell me about the, you know, the, the city. Tell me about just everything. And I was just literally was a sponge for like a year and a half to, you know, two years. So you get here, 2009, you, you, everybody's here. Are we all over the city? Are we in one central spot doing work or? Yeah, that's like, interesting. Yep. During that year, 2000, if you remember 2008, that's when the market crashed. So we were saying, everybody moved to East Atlanta, everybody moved to kind of this certain area, because that's where we're going to be. We want to be a neighborhood church over in that area, and we'll plant other churches everywhere, right? That's where we initially, right. the housing market crashed. Right. People couldn't find jobs, people couldn't do you know any of that. So we was just kind of like, but people still said they wanted to come. So I was like, all right, just get there, you know? And, then, <laughs> and it's like, it's interesting how God changes the plan. Like, just get there. And right. so people was moving with aunts and uncles and cousins and, wow. you know, people lived with us. I mean, we were just kind of just get here, like by any, by all means necessary, mm -hmm. like just get here. And that's what we did. And what could be started off as a strategic, like, let's go East Atlanta, South DeKalb, like that area. Now we're spread out everywhere. And it was just all God because we couldn't find jobs. Wow. And it was all God because we couldn't, Doing so, that's really what what happened, and that's how we got to where we where we were. And so, uh, that's 2009, 2010 is when you actually yeah. plant the church, right? Yeah, we launched January third, 2010. So we had this old abandoned uh, comedy club that used to be a church, but right. it was a comedy club. Literally, no heat in the building, so we had these flamethrowers in there. You know, that's going through and like, so like literally you so were here. A, yeah, so it was a fire hazard. Yeah, too. Like it was a fire hazard. <laughs> we had all of this stuff that was going. And what was interesting about it was during that time, people would come in and we said, man, they really must want to go to church here. Because I mean, it was also when Atlanta hit its record low. It was like 10 degrees, oh, wow. 17 degrees, 18 degrees. Yeah. And it was like, and people was like, and we didn't have any heat. And so people were like, Bundling up, we moved like downstairs in the basement. Like, just sit close to one another, get that body heat. So it was just, it was hard from the very beginning. And but what it did was it brought like the people at Blueprint who wanted to be a part of this church that yeah. was about planting in the city that was grimy, grimy. It was city. It was about man. This group of people that's not about the cameras and the action, unlike what we did before. But we just wanted to be about making disciples in the city. That's really what it was. And that was the characteristics that we, that I kind of, I really felt like the DNA, what made Blueprint, Blueprint. Right. You know, it's not a lot of the, the glitz and the glam. It was just more of this man, indigenous. Like, we just want to be in the city, for the city that looks like the city. And it was just kind of that grind that, that we had. Yeah. All right, so you go, we did 2009, 2010. What did, 
2010 to, you know, those first few years of planting, what did that look like? Well, I mean, those first few years uh, where we spent in that building, right. we was in that building for about six months. That building came as like, hey, man, we want to put some heat in here. We want to put some bathrooms in. By the way, you can't meet here for the next six months. We was just like, um, you do know, like, we was like doing a church. We had this agreement. <laughs> anyway, we was kicked out. We ended up doing a church in the park for one week. We made it seem like we had it all planned out, but we right. didn't have a place to a place to be. We ended up finding a spot in the fourth ward. And so you started, you didn't take a Sunday off, is what you're saying? No, no, we didn't miss any Sundays. <laughs> we didn't miss any Sundays. We jumped right in. We got, we, so we did one more in the park, jumped in the next week. We did, we made it seem like, man, we, we knew exactly what we were doing. <laughs> we was in the new facility. Um, we were there, and that's what put us in the fourth ward. We was in that fourth ward. We were there for about three to four years, and that's really where we started kind of developing, yeah. growing. It was a smaller building, so we grew um, to a couple of hundred, a few hundred, you know, and then it's like and we had services. multiple three services. But then it was, that's where we found, like, the DNA of this man. And it, we, it's always been about disciple-making, but it was like disciple-making as the ministry of the church, and it was just kind of like we started. We didn't use that language, right. but that was kind of what we did, and so— we did that. Then we moved into this facility, and you know kind of the story about this facility. You know that, right? I mean, I, I came and visited, and uh, like the ceiling was falling in, and, and we kind of came in. We gave it a whole facelift, turned down, tore down the choir stand, moved out pews, did a very similar thing. But the other thing, we had a couple of challenges. We had like this church was also known as the kind of gay church right. in Atlanta. And so what well, we had this tension where we wanted to reach out and minister to you know all people, but we also wanted to let you know create distance to say that we are not that church. Right. And people thought, oh, Blueprint is just a rebranded version of the other church. It was like, no, we're not that church. And so we had that tension for some years and that challenges of man, how do we establish our name, our credibility yeah. here in this city? Versus kind of taking on just kind of the continuation of what was going on in the past. And it took us years, years. I think we're just kind of getting over that that right, hump right. after almost five plus years of being here to to doing and being able to say that we are not the previous church. We are Blueprint. What's your favorite genre of music? Oh, man, I'm like, I listen to hip hop, but it's mostly Christian hip hop, you know, and I'm just, I'm too lazy to like to kind of filter through other hip hop, yeah. so I'm a, I am a Christian hip hop dude. Oh, I'm I'm becoming my my father. I never wanted to be that guy. Yeah. Like, okay. What was was your father? Just me, you know. Like I don't like. I'm kind of like the turn that racket down guy now. Oh, you know? yeah. That is that's bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, may, it must be showing in your grade <laughs> hey, that you can. Yeah. You are somebody's father. <laughs> I am somebody's you know? father. And that's hey, that, oh, yeah. that is huge. No, but I mean, I would say. Was something that I never thought I would have liked was the like jazz. Now that is actually the yeah. music that I, I, I sermon prep to. More about you. What is your greatest quality? Greatest quality. I mean, I you know I would say for me, I think I'm really good at kind of reading the room. You know, or just kind of knowing what it is. And part of it is being a middle child. You know, I'm I got an older. I'm second. Right, so I right, was. Right. Older brother, younger brother, and then it was me, and then I have a younger sister. So I was kind of having that middle child was, I think, is important because I was always able to like read the room and know, you know, what's going right. on. So I reading the room, and I would, I would also say leadership. You know, just kind of always being out. Like I've been a, I was the varsity football captain, captain in college. 
You know, so like I was always kind of that player coach. I'm one of those people who can lead, but I, I want to be doing it with you. I'm, I'm a practitioner at heart. And so that's kind of where I, I, we embody team, right? And so having people like John Noe or Ryan McCammick or Morgan or Lucius and, uh, you know, just kind of like having those guys around right. to say, man, these are people who can communicate, who are good communicators. I don't want to build this thing around me. This, like, I want this thing to be about the person work of Christ. All right, so your story, football player, didn't grow up in the church. So like, how's that really, how have you seen that really play out in your life now? Well, football player, not growing up in the church, but then you add it to the other, the other side of it is, yeah. my dad played professional football. I had an aunt that worked with a lot of stars and everything. And so really, I just wasn't impressed with celebrities. Mm -hmm. I never cared about being mm -hmm. a celebrity. I'm not impressed that you're a celebrity. Right. Like, because I grew up around people and I saw what celebrityism brought. Right. And you know, and so a lot of times I have a few kind of internal statements. And one of the statements is that I want to make the greatest possible impact that I can possibly ever make without being known. Like mm. I just didn't care about being known, but I do want to make an impact. You know, I That's want good. I want Christ to use me to make as big of an impact as possible. And so if there's people who can preach better than me, let them preach. If there's people who can, you know, lead better than me, let them lead. And I was just like, man, I want to put people in positions where God will get glory. And that's really where I just like, I had to find who am I? Who is the hottie in Christ as a born again believer in, in Jesus? And not, you know, to try to over spiritualize it, but I had to find who I was. And so we literally, we would study books on identities in Christ, your, who we are, all of those things. And it was during that time that like God really like just said, I got you where I want you now. You know, and it's still it's still a process, you know, yeah. being where I'm at in the fourth ward, right. you know, being, you know, Southern Baptist, being all those things. And all of those things kind of come into factor, but I really believe that it's really where God has called us. And I tell people all the time that I am Southern Baptist by conviction, not convenience. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important because if in a world that is so divided, if we're going to genuinely like show and give the world like how do we not be divided or mm -hmm. undivided right then it is critical for the church to be undivided it's critical for us to be one the bible says that the world would know you're my disciples because of your love for one another and i just don't think christians we're doing really well and so part of my my goal kind of by force god kind of forced me into it yeah. was like you're going to preach on it and you're going to live it and you're gonna wrestle with it down to the heart level. It's not gonna be one of those things that you know. I got white friends. I got no. Right. You gonna have your best friend. It's you gonna, know. It's yeah. gonna, and we're gonna wrestle. And we're gonna. And it, and it is to the core has been one of the single greatest things in my life. You know, living, you know, in that tension and wrestling with who I am. And it's constantly brought me back to the cross. Mm.